learning to drive and well, she has enough country in her that she's already been driving out in the country some, you know, like uh, different little go-kart things and stuff. So she, she understands the concept of driving. Driving in town is a whole different animal and we're learning to do that. Um, I never remember as a child um, then growing up and learning to drive myself, I don't remember it being that big a deal. Like we were just learning to drive. So one time I was 15 and uh, mom was teaching me to drive. We had an old Ford Granada station wagon. I think I've told a story about this car before. Ford Granada. First of all, why would you name your car Granada? Like that's a weird name, but I can still, that's probably why I remember it. A Ford Granada station wagon. Station wagon. It was bright red and um, it was just our it was like a pre-minivan days. Like it was this station wagon. And then after that, we did end up getting the Ford Astro van. Um, again, it's a weird name, but uh, the Granada. So uh, we're driving in the Granada and I don't remember exactly where we were going. I think we were driving from Hobbs, New Mexico to Midland, which is where we lived in Midland. And, and I was driving on the highway and there was a, we were trying to, this was also pre-GPS days. Like now you plug into your phone, um, what, where you're going and it tells you when you're going to get there, how much time is left, you know, all this stuff. Back then you didn't know until the next road sign. Like I feel like we're about 50 miles. Oh, here comes a road sign. It's going to tell us in just a minute how far away we are. Yeah, some of y'all remember that. Some of the kids are like, what? There was a time that you didn't know? Um, yeah, there was a time you didn't know. You had to see the, the, that's why they have signs on the side of the road that say this many miles till your destination or till the next town. And I can remember we were driving and, and uh, a sign had come up. And so me being the competitor that I am, mom and I were talking and she was like, how far does that say? And I was, I wanted desperately to know how far before she did. Like, can I see it before mom sees it? How many miles we are? And, and as I'm trying to focus on the sign. I'm driving. She's passenger seat. I'm focusing on this driving and she starts screaming. And I'm like, what? what's going on? And while I was focused on this sign, I had started to steer the car towards the sign. Um, I was trying to get, you know, I was pointing the direction I was looking and uh, that wasn't a good thing. And so as I, and it was a cross traffic. So as I realized what I was doing, I, it was a two lane road. I jerked back. The, the tires got on the grass. I jerked back on and got on the straight path. And uh, mom had, you know, let me know that that wasn't a cool thing to do. Uh, please don't do that anymore. And I'm, I think, I was trying to remember, I think that was the last time she ever rode with me <laughs> until I got my license. So that was interesting, but uh, moms are always there for you, you know? They're always there to fix you up and set you on the right path and to, to get you going the right direction. Um, I don't know if, I mean, I've mentioned a few times, I, I, in high school football, I fractured a vertebrae in my back. It was kind of a, a stress, kind of a fracture. It wasn't like one day I hit somebody and then I was laying on the ground and I was like, oh, my back. It was over several days. It just got to hurting worse and worse and worse. And um, I can remember during that time, I came in, I was like, dad, something's wrong with my back, man. It's, like, it's really hurting. And in true dad fashion, he was like, it's growing pains. You're going to be just, it's just growing pains. Uh, he would also say stuff like, hey, how about you rub some dirt on it? It's going to be fine. Uh, you, like we make jokes about that, but that was literally my dad. My dad would say, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're, it's it's going to be okay. No problems. You're going to shake it off, son. You're going to be good. And uh, in the meantime, my back, I'm like, oh, my back. And so I can remember those for several days there. I would come home from practice after school and I would just lay on the bed. It hurt so bad. 
and mom would take care of me. You know, mom would come in. She was a gentle voice. She would bring me a, a drink and let me lay down, a snack, you know, a kind word. She was always taking care of me. She was always wanting to nurse me back to health, you know. It was awesome. Uh, and, and I loved that. If she had ever asked me, do you want to get better? Of course I would have said yes without question. I have to admit though, there was something nice, something I really liked about being pampered when I was sick. And that's what I want to talk about today. I have a different take on uh, the scripture that we're going to read that maybe you've heard before. We're going to read out of John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 5. And as we go through this today, I want to let you know that uh, the sermon notes are in the app. You can go to the church's app and find the notes for today's message. John chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 9. Soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool. In Hebrew, it was called Bethesda with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, Do you want to get well? The sick man said, Sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, Get up, take your bedroll, and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. That day happened to be the Sabbath. Man, there's so much to this scripture that, that we can get into. And, uh, but I want to help set it up first a little bit. Uh, Jesus is back in, uh, in Jerusalem and there's a pool there, obviously called Bethesda. And it had five porches around it or alcoves. And on these alcoves, on these porches, sick people would go and they would lay on these porches. And they were waiting on, there was a, a, a thought that when the water that these porches were around, when it would stir, that meant angels' wings or angels were stirring the water. And that meant that something miraculous was going to happen. And if you could get in the water, the first one in would be healed. And so that's why they laid around there. And it's, it's really interesting that some of them would be laying down there, but also, you know, trying to, to beg for, because you would have to, as a person who wasn't sick, you would have to find your way down there, like go and talk to them. So this particular guy, the one we're talking about today, he's been there 38 years. Now, we can assume that he's about 38 years old, maybe a little bit older than that. Uh, it doesn't say that, but the assumption is he's been an invalid for his entire life. So as probably as old as he, as young as he um, started was the age that his parents would take him down there or let him down there to beg because, you know, they needed that income. So for 38 years, He's been down there and he's probably going to be somewhere around 38, 40, 42 years old. Now, we can imagine that he's been an invalid for his entire life. And so he probably had with him um, things that somebody like that at that time would have, like a bedroll, maybe a tin to collect money in or a plate of some sort to collect the coins that he would receive. Maybe some crutches if he was able to, you know, crutch himself along. And that's when Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? Now, this is where I find it very interesting. Is that a trick question? Seriously, who wouldn't want to be well? Who would be there and be like, no, I don't think I want to be well? I mean, it seems like a rather obvious 
question, right? Do you want to be well? You would say, sure. It's kind of like, and I have examples. I can remember, remember my parents asking me, do you want to be spanked? I don't, I don't remember ever saying, oh yeah, that sounds good. Like what, should you a belt this time? Or you want a, like a wooden spoon? What's your, what's your preference? Like, no, of course I don't want to be spanked. It's one of those questions that you just, it, it seems like it's obvious. And I remember thinking to my parents, that's one of the dumbest questions you could ever ask me. If I want a spanking. No, I don't. I mean, the answer will always be the same. No, I don't. And I, I remember thinking that was a dumb question. And then I had kids. And would you believe I caught myself asking them the same thing? <laughs> Do you want a spanking? And I, can, I laughed at myself. Uh, once because I said that. I was like do you want to sp no they don't want one <laughs> surely they don't want one you know they don't want one and none of them have ever said to me oh yeah dad that sounds good like why don't we go come on you can just give me spanking and we'll have a good time in there at first glance that's kind of what we take right like it's a trick question but let's look a little deeper into this guy's circumstance for 38 years he's been sick and all of that time, he's relied on the kindness of others to make his way in life. If he were to get well for the first time in his life, he would have to earn his own way. If he were to get well, his excuses are gone. He wouldn't have an excuse for what his life is. Suddenly, the responsibility would be entirely his. So... He's had an excuse this whole time. So maybe the question, do you want to get well, wasn't such a crazy question after all. Maybe it's a legitimate question. Maybe it's a question that it pierced this guy's heart and exposed the motives that lay very deep within him. It might have been something he really had to think about. Do I want to get well? Hmm. Like, I think I do. But if I do, then like it's going to be all my responsibility. But if I don't, then people are going to take care of me. But then also, you know, I'm still an invalid. I don't know. I wonder if for us sometimes we kind of have the same thoughts. I, as Jesus looks at us crippled by problems in our life or crippled by circumstances in our life or crippled by sin, what does he say to us? Could it be that he asks us, the same question that he asked the cripple by the pool, do you want to get well? Do you want the Holy Spirit to heal the parts of your life that have been damaged? Or is it easier to hold on to the hurt? Do you want the Holy Spirit to do something for you? Or do you want to wallow in the betrayal and in the hurt? Are we holding on to things that paralyze us spiritually? See, Holy Spirit wants to heal us of those things. But when he does, then we will be left without excuses. In the healing, our excuses are taken away. The responsibility is ours. We can't come in after he heals us and say, well, it's not my fault anymore. It's somebody else's fault. So the question comes down to each of us. Do you want to get well? To the one who's crippled by past hurts, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? To the one who's chained by secret sin, Jesus is saying, do you want to be loosed from that sin? To the one battling addiction, Jesus is saying, do you want to overcome that addiction? To the one who has not yet 
asked Jesus into their heart, he says, do you want to be saved? To all of us who need a healing touch in any parts of our life, Jesus is saying today, do you want to be well? To receive healing, we just have to say, Jesus, I want this. You know, the man's response is interesting. He doesn't say yes or no. Did you ever notice that? He leaves us with a maybe. If you look at verse 7, the sick man said, Sir, when the... Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And then in verse 7, he says, When the water's stirred, I don't have anybody to get me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. So Jesus says, do you want to be well? And he doesn't say, no, I don't, or yes, I do. He says, I, I don't know, <laughs> because I can't get in. There's an excuse. I can't get into the pool. He might have been asked this question before. Do you want to get well? I don't know. I can't get in the pool. <laughs> Something I wasn't ever able to do, and I can remember specifically my high school football coach. I, I, took, I took the wrong angle. I, there was somebody in my way. There was calendar. We don't accept excuses around here. <laughs> excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they all stink. <laughs> He said that, I mean, thousands of times. Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they all stink. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> For many in society today, nothing is the fault of the individual. A certain uh, member of our household, I won't say names, got my fancy watch and dropped it. And the glass of the watch popped off. <laughs> Still held on by wires. You know, it's like a toy now. It's like a little slinky thing. And what happened? Well, it wasn't really my fault. Like I had lotion on my hands and the, the, the band is made of rubber plastic and it slipped out. Like, it's just human nature. Like, it's just not our fault. Have you noticed that? I try to teach my kids. I don't want everything to be blamed on you. And I'm the same. But also at the same time, we have to accept responsibility. Right? But that's not our society. We don't accept responsibility. And I wonder in our spiritual life, in the spiritual realm, how do we think that is going to work with Jesus? The one who sacrificed himself for our sins. The one who bears, the scripture tells us, with the failings of the weak. To the one who endured the cross, Hebrews tells us, scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. When we go to him and we say, hmm, it's not my fault. Sorry I messed up, Jesus. It's not my fault. When Jesus says, do you want to be well? How are we going to answer? Mm, it's not my fault. When Jesus asks, do you want to be healed from your past hurts? Do we say, well, you don't know how bad they hurt me. Or when Jesus says, do you want to be loosed from the chains of sin? Do you say, I just can't control myself. Or when Jesus says to the addict, do you want to overcome? Do you say, hey, I have an addiction. It's not my fault. Understand that I have very close friends and, and family that have addiction. I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying when Jesus says, I will heal you, 
do we say to him, it's not my fault. I'm not sure if I want it or not. When Jesus says, do you want to be saved? Do you say, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Like, he needs to be saved. <laughs> Jesus said to the cripple, do you want to get well? And he said, I don't got anybody to put me in. If we want to be healed, we have to get rid of our excuses. If you want what Jesus has for you, you have to set aside your excuses. Well, then Jesus gives them a command and Jesus says, just do it. Get up, take your bedroll and start walking. Not much of a discussion. The guy says, I don't know, like nobody's there to put me in the pool. And so Jesus just says, he doesn't say, oh, okay. Well, listen, let's, let's uh, counsel you through. No, he says, hey, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. Jesus just ignored his excuses. Jesus didn't listen to his excuses. Jesus didn't come to coddle us. Jesus didn't come to accept our excuses. When's the last time you can remember Jesus saying, oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry that happened to you. This is a hard life, man. I'm sorry. Let me listen to you whine for a little. It's okay, come on. I'll, I'll listen. To, I, don't, I don't see that in the scripture anywhere. Jesus, he came to proclaim a message of life. Just like he told the crippled man by the pool, get up and walk. Quit laying there and feeling sorry for yourself. Draw into Jesus and what he has for you. Don't misunderstand me today. I'm not claiming a gospel of self-help. I'm not saying, hey, you got it in you. You go do it. Jesus is the one who saves us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who leads us. Who told the man to get up? Jesus. Who had to get up? The man. We always have a part. When Jesus calls us to something, when the Holy Spirit beckons you, he has a part, you have a part. Listen, we can't do it ourselves. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, Scripture teaches us that we can conquer anything. Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through Christ. Will we get up and walk by the power of the Holy Spirit? And as we look forward to the day of Pentecost next week, I, I, just am, I just want us to lean into the Holy Spirit and what he has for us. And imagine, I'm going to ask Bruno and, the, and them to come up. We're going to sing a song, but also I want to spend a little time in prayer here because what are we doing? Are we leaning into what he has for us? Do we want to get up and walk? Are we listening to him and say, he's calling us to something more. He's calling us to something deeper. He's calling us to something better. He's saying, I want to heal you. He's saying, I want to release you. He's saying, I want to have you free from the chains of bondage. I, I, I want to free you from the, the life that you're living and into the life that I have for you. But we have to move. We have a part he will give us the strength, but we have to move. And as I look forward to the day of Pentecost, that's what I'm reminded of. The Holy Spirit 
has something for us. And it was on that day of Pentecost that he was unleashed that began this world revolution that we now know as followers of Christ being a Christian. We're leaning into that now. We're, we're part of that. Will you continue to hold on to the things that hold you back? Are we going to let go of our old excuses? Are we going to listen to the instruction of Jesus and get up and walk? So as we pray this morning, I, one of the things that I am going to do this week is I, I would like, and this isn't, I guess as the pastor I can say this, because I, I don't want this to be anything about me and I'm trying to do something special, but I, I would like for you to join me in a fast this week. I don't think I've done that here. I see the day of Pentecost, the commemoration of the Holy Spirit being unleashed on this earth as something that's super important. And I think, I know, in fact, especially after a couple of days ago, that God has something incredible planned for us and for this church. I mean, in fact, I believe we're living it now. It was a couple of months ago that someone said to me, and I believe it was prophetic. God said it's time. So this week, think about something that you may fast. Join me in a fast. And let's spend the week praying about Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. And let's ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have for us? We want to be free. We want to be loosed. And I don't know, that fast could be anything for you. It could be fast a day, fast a meal, fast TV, fast phone, fast, I don't know. A f the purpose of a fast is only to something that we like, that we do, that we enjoy, or even food that's necessary that aside so that we can spend some time focused on prayer. Every time you think about whatever the thing is you're fasting is a prompting to pray. So fasts are not difficult and maybe we need to, well I do, I do believe we need to do one this week. So this morning, I'm just going to, we're going to spend some time. If you guys would, stand with me. We're going to close with a prayer. And we're going to, I, I just, if you have anything that you're like, Holy Spirit, you have asked me, do I want to be well? And asked me to move, and I haven't. This morning, we're going to move. Maybe you feel like he's speaking to you now and saying, hey, there's this thing. I want you to pray about this. Uh, the altars here are going to be open. We're going to spend not a lot of time, but enough time for us to get our hearts clear. God, this morning, I just pray that you would move in our midst. I love this lesson. Do you want to be well? That's what you're asking us today. Do you want it? I think today we're going to answer the question, do you want it? God, I want it. I believe we as a church want it. We want, Holy Spirit, what you have for us. 
we want you to fill this place with your presence. We want to have a great week of prayer leaning into the day of Pentecost. Do you want it? So Father, if you're speaking to us today, help us to be open to what you have for us. Let our hearts and minds be thinking about Holy Spirit what you want from us how you want us to move what is it that we have that you're calling us to be made well 